Welcome to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast, an ongoing source of practical strategies and tips for anxiety and ADHD. We're a collaboration of former sufferers helping those currently struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, and ADHD so they can express their true competencies in life. Now, here is Matthew, your host. Hi, it's Matthew from PanicAttackRecovery.com. Thank you for joining me for a podcast episode. In the past, I did an episode on personalization, and it was quite well received, and I received a lot of positive feedback about that episode. So I thought it would be important to discuss this matter in a second episode to dig a little deeper and to expand on the ideas If you have not listened to this episode, you can get access to it by reviewing our podcast feed in the Apple Store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. What I really want to discuss is the notion of personalization and how often when others mistreat us in our eyes or treat us in a way that we feel is unfair, we all have those people that we interact with sometimes who really get on our nerves. One of the things I've observed in myself and in talking with others is often people who upset us really are acting towards us sometimes in a way that they may not act to others. Sometimes people are reacting to us in a way that really wouldn't be acceptable to other people or shouldn't be acceptable. They're acting in a way that that isn't really fair. They're frustrating us. Sometimes we're personalizing things. Now I'd like to discuss the definition of personalization or personalizing, as provided by Alice Boys, PhD, via Psychology Today. Personalizing. Taking something personally that may not be personal. Seeing events as consequences of your actions when there are other possibilities. For example, believing someone's brusque tone must be because they're irritated with you. So by personalizing the way that someone acts to us, what we're often telling ourselves is it's something to do with me. It's something that I did that caused their behavior. Perhaps if I had have handled the situation differently, this person would be acting towards me in a different way. Of course, this all sounds good. There's only one problem. It's not true. For one, people are really in control of their behavior. It doesn't mean that we can't aggravate people and make mistakes that frustrate people. But I'm talking about situations where you really think about it afterwards and you say, you know, I haven't mistreated this person and I've been fair. I've been reasonable to this person. They just don't seem to perhaps like me. I think keeping in mind two things is very important. And that's that often it has nothing to do with you. No matter what you would have done, it wouldn't have made a difference. Or maybe, yes, you could have handled the situation a little bit differently. And maybe it would have made a small difference. But in the grand scheme of things, the person's attitude was sort of set to begin with. The person already came in with a disposition. The other situation, though, that I want to talk about is when we're partially right. And one of the things I've observed over the years, again with myself and with others, is that there are people who sometimes act very differently depending on who they're interacting with. Sometimes, you know, you have an interaction with someone that's very negative or maybe it's very positive and someone else describes having the completely opposite experience with that same individual. I'll give you an example. Let's say that I'm talking with someone and having a wonderful conversation and everything goes well. Then I speak with a colleague and I say I was speaking to uh, this person today and the person then proceeds to tell me about how negative all of their interactions have been with this person. 
Now, we also have to make sure that we don't make the fault of personalization and assuming, well, obviously that person doesn't know how to handle this person. Or maybe you assume your colleague, in other words, is not as skilled at dealing with perhaps challenging people as, as you are. Or perhaps you think that your colleague did something to perturb that other person and that's why it was such a negative reaction. Or maybe you think, I wonder what was going on with that person, why they acted so differently towards my colleague. But one of the things I have noticed is that people sometimes do act very differently. Sometimes it has to do with the sequence of conversations. Let's go back to the example of a colleague dealing with a customer. We'll say this is a customer and said, this, this person was very negative in their interactions with me. You end up taking care of that customer at a later date and everything goes smoothly. Now, it could be that that person realized, okay, I realized that I was being cranky with the first person I spoke with. And I realized that that isn't getting me anywhere. People will be on the defense when I act this way towards them. The saying goes, you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. By being nice, you can actually get more results than you can if you're being miserable and negative towards others. So in some cases, it could be just a sequence of the conversations. So one person interacts with someone initially, and then they change their attitude once they deal with the second person. And they decide, you know what, what I want to accomplish is much more important than trying to win the conversation or one up the other person. In other words, get one over on the other person, be superior and be right. That person was wrong and finding all their faults. Then the person says, you know, what's really important to me is actually getting the results that I'm seeking. Why did I reach out to customer service today? What was I trying to accomplish? Well, let's focus on that and, and I'll be nice with the second person. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is that the first person that interacted with the customer might conclude that he or she was somehow to blame for the customer's behavior when, in fact, it really just was who answered the phone first, so to speak, who dealt with the customer first. Now, of course, this isn't always the case. There are many reasons why people behave differently. And this is really what I want to talk about today. If we look at many well-known people politicians, teachers, other professionals who we've maybe held in very high regard. They've done a very good job in their profession. People think very highly of them. Then all of a sudden some sort of scandal hits and all of a sudden we start learning about allegations involving this person that are not very good, that don't represent the same image that we had of that person. Some people make comments like, oh, they really duped me or they had me fooled. Assuming, of course, these allegations are proven and they're not just allegations because, of course, anyone can make an allegation about anyone and it doesn't make them true. But assuming that the allegations are true and perhaps even this professional person later issues an apology, which generally goes something like, I'm very disappointed in myself. I don't know why I did this. If I offended anyone by my behavior, I'm very sorry. I'm taking steps to address this. I'm getting counseling, and this won't happen again. And of course, there's much more to it than just this type of apology. But what I'm saying is nowadays, we do hear this often from many professionals. And we start saying, is there a moral decay in society? Are people just falling off the rails when it comes to morality? Perhaps they don't have the same upbringing. Society is changing. I hear all these theories, but what I think about often is that we don't realize that people can be different in different contexts. And bringing it back to the personalization example, 
There are many people that I have interacted over the years who people hold in very high regard. Sometimes I've seen those same people in situations where they have not behaved very appropriately. I'm not saying all of these people. I'm saying I've seen some people where they haven't been nice to others. They haven't behaved appropriately. They've acted entirely different than the image that I've seen in their professional life. Does that make them bad people? Not necessarily. It really depends on what we're talking about. I suppose how isolated the incident is, how severe the incident is, what it involves. But in general, no, it doesn't make them bad people. I think it makes them human. So I think that many people often put people on a pedestal in society only to be disappointed down the road in some way. Now, I'm not saying we should have low expectations for people. I'm saying perhaps we should have reasonable expectations for others. Not seeing people in a fairy tale type of way or in a completely idealistic way, but saying, you know, people are human. And again, it involves looking at this concept when it comes to personalization and realizing, you know what, I don't know why this person was acting so negatively towards me. It's not really something that I have control over, but it is certainly true that this person was acting this way. I can't take responsibility for this person's behavior just as much as I can't take responsibility for the person's behavior in a previous or a different interaction where they acted very positively. That's not my fault either way. Of course, it isn't your fault how the person acted in another situation, but it's also not your fault how they acted towards you. Again, I'm not saying we can't ever make mistakes, but I'm talking about when we've considered the situation and we really haven't done anything insulting or inappropriate or untoward the person. They just simply were not positive with you. I have observed this myself with people who I see in a group getting along with other colleagues very well. And when I'm dealing with them one-on-one, -on -one, it isn't pleasant. And I say to myself, perhaps they don't like me. Perhaps they act differently towards me. There can be many reasons why people act towards you. It could be situational. It could be how they see you in terms of a hierarchy. Perhaps they see you as lower in the employment organizational hierarchy. They see themselves as above you. Some people do have an inflated sense of self-importance. So in other words, they think they're more important than they really are. And sometimes they interact with people who they believe aren't as important, unfortunately, many times based on superficial reasons. And they don't act very positively to people who are in lower positions in terms of the organizational hierarchy within any company, business, or organization. The person who's experiencing the brunt of this negative treatment by this person might assume there's some sort of a defect, and they might personalize it and say, if I could just do something better. But it's really unfair to suggest to the person that because of their role, that gives the person the right to treat them that way. But yet this happens. When I set out and thought about this podcast episode today, what I really wanted to talk about was the fact that this is not imaginary. This is real. And people do sometimes behave differently towards others. People don't always act consistently. Is it fair? No. But the point that I wish to make here is that the way that we get free of this is we start to realize and say, you know, I'm a perceptive person. I certainly know that this person wasn't being very nice to me. Now, perhaps there are reasons in his or her life why they were acting that way. Perhaps they have a sense that they are higher in the hierarchy than me in the organization. Therefore, that's the way they interact with people who are lower on the hierarchy, so to speak. It could be something that 
maybe this person is jealous over. Maybe, maybe I've accomplished something or done something and this person is jealous or it's the person's own bias. So you can't control someone else's bias. If you think about it, people who seek treatment all the time, you know, we, we hear of people going to a psychologist or going to a helping professional and part of the process starting to see their own biases, starting to see their own perceptions of life. In other words, the lens and how they see the world, that's really their own experience, their own lens, their own perspective. You can't be responsible for that. And if you are seen through a certain lens, for some reason, someone sees you a certain way, well, you can't be responsible for that. Yet, we often beat ourselves up, perhaps when we're not popular with everyone. For example, there are people out there who are very popular socially. They have very high approval ratings. They may belong to various organizations and clubs. And they encounter people every so often who don't care for them. That will often put such people in a tailspin because they're so accustomed to everyone liking them, saying, well, I usually get along with everyone. I usually don't have people being so negative towards me. What have I done? And again, it's not that they've done anything. It's really just how that person is seeing them. There's something in that person that has maybe set the person off and makes that person think of them in a negative way. When we think about it, and if we do some reading, and you do some reading about the therapeutic relationship when a psychologist or another helping professional is working with a client, often there are things called projection. So in other words, how I'm feeling about someone or something, I misinterpret that and think that that's how that person is acting. So let's say that I'm very angry. And I say to the psychologist, why are you so angry at me? Well, that would be projection. Or I'm saying it to a friend. Why are you so angry today? And of course, my friend's not angry today. It's me that's angry today. But yet I project the anger as belonging to that other person. Now, again, is it fair for me to claim that my friend is angry when I, in fact, am the one who's angry? No. Did my friend cause me to be angry? No. But if my friend were highly sensitive, as people who suffer from anxiety often are, or also people who suffer from ADHD are often sensitive as well, we may conclude that we in somehow may have caused that, or we become very perturbed by saying, how dare that person act that way? But again, what's really important to say is that's their issue. So that's how we learn to help ourselves by realizing the issue often isn't in ourself. Why someone treats you differently than another? why someone is negative with you. If you really aren't to blame, you aren't to blame. You need to be confident in that answer, in that response. Because if you're not, you keep going into a tailspin and wondering, what did I do? What can I do in future? How can I prevent this from happening again? And you really go around in a vicious circle because no one is going to find everyone likes them. There'll be something in the other that they may project onto you and they don't like about you, but they're really projecting something about themselves. Or perhaps you remind them of someone that has upset them, something about your mannerisms that reminds them of someone that they interacted with negatively. And unfortunately, it's a bias that comes out and they start to see you that way. And this all happens very much under the radar. The person isn't necessarily aware that you're reminding them of someone. They just act in a very annoyed way towards you. What this is called in the therapeutic relationship is called transference. When you transfer your feelings about someone onto someone else, in this case, the professional that's treating you, that's transference. You're transferring, perhaps you're really angry at your father or your mother, and you transfer that anger to your therapist. 
Well, that would be transference. And there's also something called countertransference. And this is when the treating professional does the same thing with the patient. So the patient stirs up something in the treating professional that reminds him or her of a relationship they had with someone that wasn't very positive, and they start to feel agitated or angry or upset by the client's behavior because it's reminding them of someone else, and that's countertransference. So we've talked about projection, transference, and countertransference. What's the point of being technical about these things? Well, the point is, again, what I said earlier. We are talking about human behavior. We are not talking about how things always should be. We all have should rules about how others should behave, how the, how the world should operate often, but that isn't in reality how things operate. And the reason I want to talk about countertransference, transference, projection, is that not only is it normal for professionals, but it's also normal for treating professionals to have their own biases and to have these things come up for them when interacting with clients. And it's normal for clients to have these feelings towards their treating professional. And it's normal for us in our relationships to have these phenomena come up. The best way, though, to deal with all of these phenomena is to realize that you can only control yourself. You can't control others. And of course, you've heard others say this before, I'm sure, and give this advice. But it's thinking through this lens where this advice becomes meaningful because we start to realize that, you know what, that's really how the world operates. There are many people that I see and I respect in many ways that sometimes later in life I learn things about that I don't really like. Now, I don't know everything about that person's experience. I'm not sure what was going on in their life when they did this. But I've always taken the view myself that often people do behave differently, but the good things that they did in life the things that they were good at, were still good. They're still good things that they accomplished. So I don't like to look at it as undoing everything about the person. I know many people who I've spoken with sometimes take the view that all of a sudden, you know, they learn something bad about someone and they don't like anything about that person. They don't like anything about what they did. Uh, they feel that the person has misled them. They have no respect for the person anymore. They have no respect for what they have accomplished. Now, often those people are Often there are people who are very critical of others. And we've talked about this in one of our YouTube videos, in our YouTube series. We've talked about the concept of the shadow, which originally was discussed by many years ago, psychiatrist Dr. Carl Jung. And he talked about the shadow as being those aspects of oneself that he or she suppresses and is highly critical of others of over. So in other words, a very simple example is to look at uh, your neighbor and to criticize him for perhaps being very vain or being very particular or fussy over his property, whatever. You can think about whatever quality perhaps you're agitated over about someone else, about seeing in someone else, something that frustrates you about someone else. And then you start to, according to Dr. Young, you would start to say, well, are there any of those aspects in me? Can I be fussy? Can I be particular? Or whatever, fill in the blank. Can I be that way? And if you're honest with yourself, there's a small aspect of yourself, you share that characteristic with that person. Now, Carl Jung wasn't saying that you're completely, perhaps as fussy as your neighbor, perhaps in some cases you are, but you just share some aspect of that. So there's a little, there's a part of you that's perhaps very fussy, it can be vain sometimes. And the reason, according to Dr. Jung, 
And the reason that you really pick up on this in others is that you've suppressed your shadow, your qualities that you don't like. You've suppressed those and you don't see those in yourself, but you see them in others. So you become very critical of others. So that is another concept, the shadow. And that's really related to the idea of projection that I discussed earlier. That can be at play for people as well, especially when they express such outrage over things they learn about people in the media or in their daily life that uncover some negative things about people whom they highly respected prior to knowing these negative things. So my point here is really to, so my point here really is to convey that, yes, people do act very differently sometimes around others. And it's not something to blame yourself over when you have someone who deals with you negatively if you haven't dealt with them negatively. And the tendency for people is to often blame themselves and to say, well, there's something that I should have done to prevent this. But again, realizing that people will behave differently sometimes in different situations and with different people and realizing that this can be frustrating, it can be annoying, but realizing that those people are just humans, just like yourself, and you stop putting people on the same type of pedestal, at least an unrealistic pedestal that some of us do put people on sometimes. But seeing people more realistically and authentically can often reduce your anxiety because often you don't then have to measure up to a standard that really was so high and was not even realistic. You can relax somewhat and say, you know what? People have faults just like I do. And this can be very helpful for your self image and when you're often comparing yourself to others, as I've said before, people who suffer from anxiety often do. But when you don't have to compare yourself to such a high standard of others, and you don't put people on quite the same pedestal as maybe you did in the past, all of a sudden your anxiety reduces. You start to see people as more human, authentic, and you don't take as much offense when others act towards you in a way that has nothing to do with you, but has something to do with what's going on with them in their life their own biases, the way they see the world. Thank you for listening to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast. Make sure that you have subscribed to our podcast and please comment and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All show notes and links are accessible from our website. Please visit our site and subscribe to our free newsletter at panicattackrecovery.com. All information has been provided for educational purposes. Please consult a healthcare professional about any disorder or condition and the applicability of any information provided in this podcast.